Today's program, we're honored to have as our co-host, uh, President uh, Sam Stanley, and uh, our, uh, our first guest today is the uh, Dean of the Residential College for Arts and Humanities, uh, Steve Esquith. And uh, uh, Steve, it's uh, uh, very, uh, very interesting. Uh, at MSU, we've got three residential colleges. Um, I'm a graduate of James Madison College, and, uh, uh, and it's great having you here because of our history. I think I took more classes from you at James Madison College than any other professor. So, uh, so for better or worse, you're, you're partly responsible. Um, but uh, I always enjoyed the residential college experience because it did have that sense of having a small community, uh, but also the benefits of the classes and activities and, and, and other things that, that come with, with a major, you know, large Big Ten university. So uh, you have the, uh, the benefit of having uh, really been the, the, one of the founders of, of this residential college. So uh, tell us about uh, how it started, uh, mm -hmm. what the idea was, um, what it means to uh, uh, the curriculum, what, what, it, what it means to be a, a student in this college. Okay. Thanks, Bill. It's good to be here with you and President Stanley, and a delight always to talk about uh, the Residential College in the Arts and Humanities, or as we say, ARCA. So I'll refer, refer to us as ARCA. And uh, I was thinking that maybe one place to start to sort of give uh, the listeners an idea of what we're all about is to uh, talk about our mission. What's our goal? Mission sounds a little interplanetary, so I'm going to call it, I'm going to say what we stand for and what we're shooting for. And um, what we stand for is a fairly distinctive conception of interdisciplinary uh, arts and humanities for the common good. Now, that's a pretty loaded phrase, I know. So let me say a word about why we think the arts and humanities can contribute to something as lofty as the common good. Um, as you know from the classes that you took with me, I like to start by saying, what do we mean when we say common good? And you could actually break it down into three different pieces. Common goods are things that everybody wants no matter what else they want. Food on the table, roof over their head, you know, long life, good health. Those are common goods because everybody thinks they're a good thing. Then there are the common goods that we depend upon in society. Bridges, roads, economists call those public goods. And then there's something that ARCA shoots for, and we call it the common good, and we have to be fairly careful because people will disagree. But we think that there's some basic things that the arts and humanities can contribute to society. An understanding of human dignity, what it means to treat people with equal concern and respect. And the arts and humanities, we think, have a lot to say about those lofty goals. So it's an interdisciplinary arts and humanities degree but not just putting things together that don't usually go together, but putting things together like performing arts, visual arts, literature, philosophy, history, language, so we can have a better sense of those things we all share 
and hold in common those lofty common goods, human dignity, equal concern and respect, the rule of law. I guess that's where I'd start if I were to start at the top. And then you could say, well, how do you get there? What, what's the path you're going to travel to get to the common good so, so defined? And how well have you done? We've been in business for 13 years. We should be able to say something about what we've been able to accomplish in that time. And then finally, where are we going from here? Right? It's not game over. It's, you know, now we're moving. Where do we want to go from here? Um, ARCA has this really, uh, I think, very important role at the university uh, in terms of really taking a multidisciplinary approach to some critical issues in learning. Um, but how do you define success? So, so what are the things you're looking at to say in, in these 13 years we've actually accomplished something, and what are those kind of metrics you look at? So I think there are student metrics, student success. There's you know faculty and staff success. Have we held people? Have they, you know moved along in their career? Have they been successful? And then how does the college sort of look as, a, as an entity in terms of its success? Um, I think on the student side, we've got a couple of things that are points of pride. Um, one is our placement rate. The students over the last six years, which is roughly, you know, if we started in 20... In 2007, uh, we had our first full graduating class four years later because we took it on, took the students on one class at a time. Over the last six years, our placement rate, self-reported, um, but done by the university, not done by us, is 100% in terms of full-time employment in jobs students want or graduate school, full-time graduate school. So that's a, you know, that's a number. Uh, it is, uh, we can only go down from here, so I'm careful when I say we're, we've been in 100% for six years. You know, the first year we slip a little, that might be news, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take it while we can. Uh, well, that's a huge piece. I, mm-hmm. I remember uh, mm-hmm. going to James Madison College and telling my parents I was functionally going to have a political philosophy degree, and of course, mm-hmm. they sort of, with a little uh, skepticism, said, and, and what are you going to do with that? And uh, you know, as as we were uh, you know, back back in the day, I had the honor of helping develop a few of the early ARCA budgets, and uh, I think that uh, you know one one of the things I wondered about is, you know, are we? I think we could sell sell students on this really cool program. Can we sell their parents? Yeah. And uh, yeah. I was d- delighted to to learn that you know these students are really being extraordinarily successful. And, yeah. They are, and it does get back to the parents eventually. You know, at first they have the same reaction your parents had. Right? Well, um, is this worth four years of tuition? Uh, couldn't you do this on the side or in addition to? Um, and that's another, I think, index of our success that the students have the opportunity to take advantage of other programs at the university. So while our major is an interdisciplinary major in the arts and humanities, uh, students are also engaged in second majors outside of ARCA, minors, specializations. So they're able to craft a program that helps them chart a course towards a, 
a, uh, a profession or a graduate, uh, graduate degree. So I think the, the, the placement rate isn't just ARCA gets you a job, but ARCA positions you at a large university so that with the right kind of advising and the right kind of you know, effort on the part of the students, you can begin to chart your own path, and that, uh, that motivates students, and I think it surprises parents. You know, the parents see their kids going to school, and maybe somebody will help them, right? But what they discover is their kids go to, you know, MSU, and suddenly they're helping themselves. They are agents in their own education, and that, I think, is is one of the explanations for the high placement rate. It's also one of the explanations, and this might be a little counterintuitive, it's one of the explanations for our high four-year graduation rate, that they are motivated to put these you know, pieces together in less than four years, actually. So our average graduation rate is less than four years. Um, and... Um, that uh, that also surprises pleasantly surprises parents, you know that okay, you know this is not a six year program with six years of tuition. This is actually a four year program with internships and other kinds of opportunities for you know on the job uh, training in summers and sometimes during the semester in a study abroad or a study away program. Uh, President Stanley asked about uh, measures of success, and I, I mentioned faculty. I think that that's, uh, that goes hand-in-hand hand with student success. You know, one of the things that I learned in Madison College my first six years at MSU was that faculty are expected to meet the university requirements for research and creative work. It's not that you're in a kind of special place where we kind of give you a pass on research and creative activity. You're at MSU. You know, the standards for tenure and promotion are the same standards for all faculty at MSU. Um, and uh, that means working hard. Uh, as you know, the faculty have to be in a residential college. That means doors are open. You're there outside of class as well as in the classroom. And... Um, the faculty have been, I would say, you know, as I look at the flow chart, who's come and who's gone and who's stayed and who's progressed, uh, they've done very well in terms of university awards, for example, but also in terms of their own uh, professional associations, sort of hanging on to, you almost have to be of two minds as a faculty member. I'll, I'll I'll amend that, of three minds as a faculty member in a residential college at a large research institution. You have to be a teacher, first of all. So all of our faculty have to be excellent in the classroom with their students. You have to be successful in your own professional disciplinary area. You, uh, you're in an interdisciplinary college, but you're still, you have a Ph.D., you know, or a terminal degree in a discipline, and that's part of your, you know, primary group. You you go to those conferences, you present at those meetings. You've got to keep that going. And thirdly, you have to connect 
with other disciplines in the college because it's interdisciplinary. So you have to be open-minded. You can't just say, well, I'm a philosopher. This is how philosophers do it. You, you know, and end of conversation, you have to say, well, I'm a philosopher. What can I learn from the economists? What can I learn from the visual artists? And so that's three, three lives. Our faculty lead three lives. And as I've said, we've been very successful in terms of the tenure and promotion uh, process. So that's a, a second index. How successful is the college as a whole? Well, there is one metric, I think, <laughs> that, that we're all uh, aware of, and that's fundraising. So how are we doing, right? Do other people think? We think we're doing well. The students think we're doing well. They're paying their tuition. The faculty, you know, they're getting tenure and promotion. They're okay with it, you know. But, you know, we have to convince a larger audience that this is something to invest in. And well, in, in fundraising in a, in, a, in a college that's brand new is a, is a unique <laughs> challenge insofar as your, your oldest graduate is, is 30, 32, 34, so somewhere in that range. So it's, uh, uh, it, it's not, not people of, of necessarily a great wealth in most cases. Right. So we have, we're aware of that. So, <laughs> so we actually have two measures of fundraising success. One is participation rate. How, you know, are we creating a habit of giving among our young graduates, our young alumni? And the answer is yes. The participation rate is very high. I think over 25% of our, you know, new graduates are giving. Now, they're not, like you said, they're not giving much. But you want to create a habit of giving. The other, you know, measure is, well, how much are you getting overall from friends of the college, other alumni of MSU who, you know, who might say, wow, I wish this was here when I was at MSU, but it wasn't, good luck, uh, <laughs> or, uh, but it wasn't, but I'd like it to stay, and here's some money. And, you know, the last capital campaign for MSU, and, you know, President Stanley will know this better than I, was relatively successful in terms of the target and what they brought in. Uh, we got, because, you know, we were young, we got a low target. They bumped it up two times. Uh, it started very low. I won't even say how low it was, but we exceeded that number fairly quickly. It finally got up to a million dollars, and we exceeded that. We brought in $4 million in the three years of the, you know, the public campaign. So my, yeah, this is another one of those careful what you wish for, because I'm sure our target, target, target you're going to tell tell exactly, me today. Exactly, guess yeah. what? Your yeah. new target is exactly, yeah. exactly. two and a half times. Yeah, so yeah. Say, don't say yeah. don't say four times yeah. four. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's extraordinary. I think one of the things that, you know, we've, we've been talking about a residential college, but maybe it's worthwhile to just kind of define that better for our listeners, because I think this is really something that people may not be aware of. You have Michigan State University, known around the world for being this extraordinary juggernaut, 50,000 students, and yet this residential college is a way to really take some of the best things we have, and, but really turn it into a smaller college environment for students, and yet, as you talked about, 
reach out to the whole university in terms of pulling the things you want within the college. Could you talk a little more about kind of how the residential college works for students? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And I think there is a, a, a kind of general model for how it works for students, but then there's variation uh, within, you know, within that model. Uh, we do have a... Uh, a fixed curriculum. So it's not make your own major, right? Um, within that curriculum, students can t- make some choices, but there are sequences, there are paths, there are introductory courses. So the, the curriculum is organized to start, you know, with a common set of experiences. All students take a similar set of classes. They may vary from one section to another, depending on the instructor. Um, and then they gradually branch out into areas of specialization, which are sort of unimaginatively called the arts, the humanities, culture and language, or community engagement. Um, but all students have to take some classes in all four areas as they begin to explore their own you know, passion and curiosity. So that's, that's one important part of our conception of a residential college, that it shouldn't simply be, you know, well, take, uh, it's not a smorgasbord, right? It's it's a structured interdisciplinary major. I would say that the second thing about how it works is that we are very committed to, some people call it experiential learning, or hands-on learning, or project-based learning, or pedagogy a performance-based pedagogy, but that that for us is, is important in all of our courses, whether it's a humanities course or a visual arts course or a course on, you know, language of uh, Southeast Asia, language and culture of Southeast Asia. So students work uh, on projects as well as sort of soaking things up through reading and studying in the old-fashioned way. And that project-based pedagogy, we think, is a way of, of uh, creating a kind of agent-centered education, that they, they realize that they have something to contribute, they're generating new knowledge, and they're working on, uh, on cutting-edge questions sometimes. Not right away, but gradually we want them to be generating new knowledge, and that creates a kind of confidence and I would say it's related to uh, success, student success. One of the things that we hear from employers when they hire our students uh, is they can really explain what they want to do and what they've learned. So it's not a matter of just putting your transcript down on the table and you know, showing it's got the stamp of approval of MSU. But you know, when the employer says, well, this is an interesting course, what did you learn in this course? They can talk about it. So it's that ability to articulate their learning because they've been part of the creative, generative process through these project-based things. I'd say the other thing about how it works for students is collaboration, right? That the, the projects are not individualized, you know, go and sort of investigate this project uh, problem and bring back your solution uh, to the instructor, but rather work in a group 
on a team, and oftentimes with community partners, practitioners, not just other students, which you can learn from other students too, of course, but we want them to be sort of in the world, sort of connected to community partners who share, this goes back to my original little philosophical uh, reflection on the common good. We want them to collaborate with people who are actually trying to produce those common goods in the world, whether it's, you know, a new community center or a new class for refugee kids in the high school or a, uh, you know, a peace network uh, in West Africa. We want them to get a sense of, okay, it may work in theory, does it work in practice? And I, th- I think that, uh, that experiential, collaborative, and uh, sort of practice-tested education is what makes ARCA's conception of the arts and humanities different. Some students come to us and, and they discover right away, I just want to be a music performance major. I want to be in the studio eight hours a day perfecting my technique. That's great. But that's not an ARCA student, right? The, the ARCA student says, I love the piano, but what can I do with my skills? Where can I sort of take those skills to sort of enrich people's lives, reflect on, you know, find a way of contributing to the, the as I said, the common good. So that, that's how we work. Um, does it work every time? Well, no. But you learn from your mistakes. <laughs> and all the students, of course, are living together in the same. Or yes. for, for, yeah. So yeah. that's that's yeah. important, I think, to develop that that sense of identity with the college, but also really right. being a part of something larger. And yet at the same time, yeah. as we talked about, within this incredible university that allows you maybe to go out and pull some other things into right. your experiences as and, well. And you make an important point. Um, in living together, they encounter people who are different from themselves. And that's another kind of mark, I think, of our success is our diversity. We have the highest diversity measured in terms of, you know, as the university measures diversity. Um, and uh, so students, you know, discover that I'm, you know, even though I grew up in, you know, rural northern Michigan, you know, I'm encountering people who have had a different life experience and may think of, you know, what counts as good art differently than I do. And how do I, how do I learn from them and how do they learn from me? So it, that diversity, that richness of, of uh, cultures uh, is not just something they read about in, in the textbook. We've made a, a I think a, we've been effective in recruiting, retaining, and graduating a diverse student body another where the highest, you know, uh, scoring uh, college in terms of students of color in, at the university. Once again, I'm careful when I say those things because <laughs> tomorrow you can be the second highest and people will want to know what you do wrong. But right now we feel like we're on a good, tra- uh, good track. I think it's really an important component of, of, of being at a university is the chance to meet people from different backgrounds, and, and it's really critical, I think, to, to what we do. 
And so it, uh, it's wonderful to hear that you're making progress in this. And of course, it's a big, important part of the university as we go forward to make sure that we're doing all we can to be the most diverse yeah. uh, campus and inclusive campus and welcoming campus we can be because we think everybody will benefit. Yeah. Um, it'll really help us in our quest for knowledge as well as in our educational process. So mm -hmm. we're excited about it. Yeah, and it's, as you've said many times, it's part of our strategic plan going forward. It's a, it's a university priority, and uh, we're glad we're aligned with it. So, Steve, we've uh, had a really interesting discussion and learned a lot about ARCA uh, this morning. One of the, We've probably got time for, for, for one last question, and uh, I want to put you on the spot a little bit and, uh, and ask you to talk about yourself and the, uh, the very interesting work that you've done in, in West Africa and, mm -hmm. and how that's, uh, I think, yeah, a lot of struggles, obviously, but, mm -hmm. uh, but, but working there to make a difference. Um, yes, it's been something that I've been committed to. And, you know, as a dean of a residential college, I have the privilege, and it really is a privilege, to also have time to be in the classroom and to work on some of these collaborative projects with, uh, with our students and other faculty and community partners. I've been working in Mali in West Africa primarily since 2002, uh, began with study abroad programs for students. Uh, and we took uh, six study abroad programs to Mali starting in 2004. And then there was a, a, uh, a coup, a violent coup in 2012, 2013. Uh, there was a bit of a pause, so we brought students back again in 2014, but the pause was temporary, as pauses are. And so since 2014, uh, I haven't been able to go back with the study abroad program. But our commitment to community engagement in the college is that it should be sustained. Right, so you don't just say, well, you don't just fold up your tent and go home. Uh, I had to figure out what can I do to help in this project. And so I was invited because of my own sort of academic uh, research. I was invited by the Ministry for Truth and Reconciliation to collaborate with them to create a Commission for Truth, Justice, and Reconciliation in 2015. 2016. And since then, I've been working with uh, that commission, the Commission for Truth, Justice, and Reconciliation. They're very intentional about adding the word justice because they don't want people to think this is just amnesty, you know, for people who violated human rights. And there have been many, many violations of human rights. Um, yesterday, uh, I, uh, I spent, I would say, an hour, stole an hour of time uh, to be on, the, on a WhatsApp connection with one of the ministers from that commission, uh, one of the members of that commission. And we're designing a, uh, a video animation that will publicize the work of the commission to people in remote areas who don't have direct internet access. So we're making video uh, presentations uh, drawn from the 16,000 depositions by victims of the violence since 2012. And those video animations will be uh, downloadable 
using the technology, and here's our collaboration at MSU, using the technology developed by the Scientific Animation Without Borders program that Barry Pittendry and Julia uh, Bello Bravo in the College of Agriculture and Natural Resources have developed for food and nutrition and, uh, and agriculture. And so they're excited about taking that technology and adapting it to a truth, uh, to a peace, uh, peace and justice uh, project. And I'll be, I received funding from the Alliance for African Partnership uh, from MSU. And uh, we have a scholar from Mali who's a resident scholar in, uh, in ARCA this year, Dr. Walore Tambura. And she's helping me with the French, so it's not my uh, franglish. It's uh, <laughs> it's real French, and uh, and we're going back in March uh, to uh, uh, to work with the commission on the first video animation of uh, these testimonies. There have now been thirteen public testimonies by victims uh, that uh, we'll draw from in the video animation. And kind of closing the loop, I'm teaching a class this semester on peace building, and one of the case studies we're using is the work we're doing in Mali. Well, I wanted you to talk about that a little bit, because from my perspective, it's, a, it's emblematic of what makes Michigan State University so extraordinary. Hmm. We've got a residential college where students can have this really rich, diverse experience uh, in the classroom, uh, the faculty in the college then uh, with the students can uh, use that, that knowledge, that research, that, that, that information that they've gathered and, uh, and go out, whether it's in our local community, as ARCA does in many cases, or in, in remote points around the world mm-hmm. to really make the world a better place. And, uh, and to me, that's the, the, uh, the beauty of Michigan State and what makes me excited to be a part of this great community. Yeah. And I, I think what you're doing is, is such a powerful answer to the question of how are the humanities philosophy relevant to what's going on in the world. Um, what a powerful answer to that question. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate the, sure. the vote of confidence from both of you folks. You're, uh, for us, when we're laboring in the trenches, we know that there, there are people upstairs who, uh, who know what we're doing and to, to hear that is uh, you know, encouraging. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. A wonderful conversation with uh, Dean Steve Esquith about the Residential College for Arts and Humanities at Michigan State University. Thank you very much. You're welcome.